0: Welcome to Have You Ever Wondered, a series of podcasts for facing life's challenges. Hi, my name is Rob Stuckey, and I'm here to share with you some insights I've gleaned from living in many cultures and facing a wide array of life's challenges. Among other things, I've been a teacher, an artist, an interpreter, a preacher, a writer, a public speaker on five continents and in multiple languages. I earned degrees in art and in theology from Yale University, lived and studied under the direct tutelage of a Hindu guru for nearly 10 years, was an Episcopal priest for 16 years, and have worked with the Muslim community in bridge building for decades. I was also a medical interpreter and cultural competency advocate, at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore for 10 years. I was married to a woman from a Jewish family for 26 years and since 2005 have been married to a woman from a Spanish Catholic family. At this point, I'm no longer affiliated with any particular institution. I prefer to focus on the commonalities that unite us rather than on the institutional justification or promotion of our differences. My life experience has taught me a lot, and it's fed a lifelong enjoyment of sharing what I learn with anyone who's interested, in the hopes that they might find something useful in it for their own life's journey. I don't claim any absolute authority other than that of my own experience, nor do I pretend to offer you solutions to your problems. That's something for you to figure out for yourself. The views expressed in this podcast are unapologetically my own.
1: I just hope they may be useful to you in your own exploration and process. So here we go. Welcome to my podcast. Have you ever wondered about dealing with loss as an opportunity?
0: At some point, everyone is faced with some kind of loss, whether physical, material, mental or emotional. The experience of loss can be painful. And that pain in and of itself, whether physical or emotional, can intensify the experience of loss, robbing us of our sense of equanimity. But loss can sometimes also be liberating, freeing us from possessions, activities, relationships, emotions or attachments that drained us of life and joy and felt like a persistent burden. In the complex dynamic of dealing with loss, there can be a sort of seismic domino effect of the actual loss, how we feel about that loss, and then a sort of aftershock that can include feeling guilty about how we feel about the loss. For example, a loved one dies after a long illness. We feel grief and loss, but we also feel relief that the exhausting demands of care are now over. And then perhaps we might feel anger at the person for dying and even guilt that we feel so relieved or so angry as if it indicated disloyalty or a lack of caring about the deceased and we feel that our guilt has diminished us in the eyes of
1: others in order to come to terms with the inevitability of loss there's some basic questions we must ask ourselves what is lost and who loses The answers may not be as obvious as they seem at first glance. Let me explain. Underlying our sense of loss is our sense of possession
0: or attachment. There is something or someone that we deem is ours that for whatever reasons, we can no longer fully lay claim to, be it health, a partner, children, house, a job, whatever. These things have come to form a part of our sense of self, of who and how we are in the world. So consequently, when we no longer have or exercise any control over that person, activity, place or thing,
1: we may experience a sort of disorientation, as if we were no longer sure of who we are. This kind of
0: temporary identity crisis is a natural part of loss and grief and requires a sort of recalibration of our relationship with the world, both within and around us. But this is an important point of inflection, a potential turning point in our awareness and in our relationship to life
1: itself. Of course, we may attempt to simply return as soon as possible to our former notions of normalcy. Whatever
0: we think of as normalcy is, after all, our default setting and provides us some sense of comfort, familiarity, and continuity, even if our norm may be dysfunctional. Unfortunately, that old norm is never quite the same in any case, because the loss suffered has changed the equation of predictable expectations. Consequently, we may go through a sort of subtle redefinition of who we are now and see things a bit differently than before. We may achieve some sense of normalcy, taking comfort that we seem to be doing okay, and yet periodically be ambushed by fresh attacks of grief at the most unexpected and inopportune moments. As we struggle to regain our balance and redefine ourselves in the light of our new reality, how productive or destructive that redefinition becomes is largely a matter of where we choose to place our focus. If, for example, our attachment to whatever or whomever we feel we've lost is intense, it may be proportionately harder to let go and accept the loss without resentment and fear. This attachment makes the pain we feel even worse and compounds it with feelings of anger and bitterness, perhaps resulting in an ever darkening view of life, a fear of never recovering, and apathy.
1: Cynicism or negativity that can become emotionally crippling. But it doesn't have to be that way. I know a guy who went through an extremely painful crisis in his life.
0: His marriage collapsed, his children were estranged from him. He lost his home and his job. Pretty much everything he had habitually identified with was suddenly taken away, except for two key things his faith in a higher power and his inner spiritual practice. He was forced by his circumstances to go deeper in his practice than ever before and discovered his trauma had become an unexpected hidden blessing, forcing him to rebuild his life into a freer, happier, emotionally and spiritually healthier one than ever
1: before. He confronted his stagnation He let go of it and ultimately overcame it.
0: But in order to move beyond our stagnation, we don't just need to understand more deeply what we think we've lost. But to also understand better who we think the loser is. In other words, our sense of self is the linchpin that determines our experience. If I'm convinced that who I am is the ego package of personal history, physical attributes, relationships, material possessions, and so forth, then, of course, when anything is taken away from that package, I'm no longer the same as I used to be. Not only that, if my perspective on life and my sense of self is built on identifying with acquisition and possession on the haves and have nots win-lose
1: model, My losses are not just a diminution of what I have, but of who I believe I am. So what can we do to change this dynamic and not allow loss to rob us of quality of life? Might it even be possible for loss to become life enhancing rather than life diminishing? Start with a simple observation. Take, for example, the death of a loved
0: one. All our memories of that person, the images, feelings, and experiences shared, are lying intact in our memory and are no longer dependent upon that person's physical presence. I'm personally astonished how vivid some memories of my father are even now, though he died in 1961. I've not lost him. Only the pleasure of his ongoing physical company and my imaginary speculations about however our relationship might have developed over the intervening years. But even the feeling of his company can be conjured up at times in unexpected ways through my relationships with others. So in a sense, I didn't lose my father, even if he feels locked away in the storeroom of my memories most of the time, I can still enter that room anytime I choose.
1: The same could be said of physical or emotional changes. Change is constant and
0: unavoidable. Yet we sometimes cling almost nostalgically to a particular physical experience or state, feeling that our sense of fulfillment is ruined by no longer having that experience. Falling in or out of love or aging or illness may force a certain amount of physical and mental change upon all of us. We may feel that loss of muscle mass, memory, libido, energy, comfort, acutely. We may long to be able to repeat some peak experience of love or sexual fulfillment, of shared laughter or meditative bliss. But our attachment to a past moment prevents us from experiencing the present, even if it might be even better than the past event we're still longing for. To be sure, change is a constant fact of life and some measure of loss comes to all of us if we live long enough. But none of those factors have to result in a loss of our sense of self or of fulfillment. Change and loss are not after all synonymous. I've had the privilege of dealing with hundreds of people facing loss and death, whether their own or that of a loved one. One thing that stands out with great clarity is how one's attitude shapes and determines our experience of such things. This is true both for the person who's dying or suffering a crisis and for those attempting to comfort or aid them. Dying can be an amazing window of grace, allowing for closure, unexpected insights and the healing of emotional wounds. I've seen people undergo great pain and even death with amazing equanimity, peace, and even joy, while others fight it, kicking and screaming to the end. I once had a parishioner years ago to whom I had to give last rites four times. The unfortunate woman was utterly miserable but refused to let go and die. Her burial was the saddest and bleakest I ever presided over.
1: The funeral director, gravedigger, and I were the only ones present. While some experience nothing but
0: tragedy, anger, and injustice in the face of such circumstances, I've seen others embrace their own or the passing of a loved one with grace and acceptance, gratitude and a wonderful sense of closure, even joy. Both are choices. So we must ask ourselves which way we'd rather face such events, even when we can't change the events themselves. How we experience them is ours to choose. Surrendering to reality is not the same as being defeated by it. In fact, surrender to reality is the only path to lasting victory. I'm reminded of a parishioner of mine, a very lovely lady of 86 who asked me to pay her a visit to give her some advice. She'd just been diagnosed with cancer, and though it was operable, she wasn't sure she wanted to put herself through the ordeal of surgery at her advanced age. I assured her that she had every right to choose to fight the disease, but she could equally choose to let nature take its course. I suggested that before she make up her mind, she ask herself, if there was anything she really wanted to do and would really regret not having done if she decided not to undergo
1: the surgery. She thought for a moment and said, I've lived a wonderfully full life, but there
0: is one thing I would still really love to do. I'd like to go to my granddaughter's wedding next summer. So she ended up consulting her oncologist who said he thought the surgery could make that possible. Even if it didn't promise a total cure, it would buy her some time. She had the surgery, went to the wedding, enjoyed it to the
1: fullest, and died peacefully a few months later, happy and fulfilled and without regrets.
0: I've reached a point in my own life where I begin to see surrender not as a sign of loss, or weakness, but of triumph. Letting go of my attachments and embracing the reality of the moment without judgment is actually extremely liberating. The less I expect of a given situation, the more I seem to get out of it,
1: and the less the chance of any disappointment if things don't go the way I had expected. Moreover, avoiding regrets
0: for what didn't happen because I was holding on to an unfulfilled expectation, allows me to reap the positive benefits of what did happen because I surrendered to the reality of the moment. In the final analysis, loss and gain are illusory, for neither experience is permanent, even though they may feel overwhelmingly real, absolute, and everlasting in a given moment. Learning to be fully present to the experience of both without holding on to or identifying ourselves with either is the key to transcending moments of loss and gain, joy and sorrow. They happen, but do not define us. And permitting ourselves to feel them without judging them, and without allowing them to define us, gives us an opportunity to learn invaluable lessons about the nature of who we really are and are not. And what it is that unites us all. One Sanskrit definition of the nature of the absolute is sat-chit-ananda, truth, consciousness, and bliss. That last one, bliss, it should be pointed out, is far more than mere momentary happiness or enjoyment. It's an underlying experience of ecstatic fulfillment integral to our true nature. That true nature, millennial wisdom stresses, is what unites us and is exponentially more important than what seems to separate us. Moreover, that essential nature is constant and can neither be increased nor decreased. It's immune to loss and gain. Paradoxically, the relative experience of loss is something that may ultimately help unite us, not only by being a shared experience, but also by pointing us beyond our loss to discover a deeper and more enlightened experience of being. In two great schools of Indian philosophy, Vedanta and Kashmir Shaivism, each advocates a methodology for arriving at the liberating experience of enlightenment. The first is in a sense exclusive and the second inclusive. Let me explain. Vedanta addresses the question of what is the self by process of elimination. The phrase in Sanskrit is neti neti, not this, not this meaning the self cannot be limited to any one individual thing or experience. By removing all modifiers as a process of elimination, we arrive at the infinite ground of being, who we really are, all of us, the truth in all its freedom and potentialities. Kashmir Shaivism has an opposite approach that leads to the same conclusion. The mantra soham or hamsa, meaning I am that, when applied to all thoughts and feelings, excluding none, also leads us to the experience of all embracing totality and infinite potentiality, that is our true nature and real self. Like the cyclical expansion and contraction of our lungs as we breathe, the world and our experiences of it are epitomized by the syllables, I am that. They express the constant interplay of polarities upon which our existence depends and the source from which they spring. If all material existence is a contraction of infinite consciousness, then our ultimate freedom is found in the expansion of that same consciousness and in our active embrace of the infinite, despite our fleeting experiences of limitation. Together, they're like our inhalation and exhalation, or the systolic and diastolic measurements of our blood pressure. Both contraction and expansion being integral to our well being. These two approaches, whether all exclusive or all inclusive, end up embracing the all. As I'm confronted with loss, if I rigorously question who and what is lost and who or what loses, I can either let go of all attachments. Or recognize in them the supreme consciousness from which all ideas, forms, and the very means of experiencing them springs. Either way, I'm freed from the limitation of particular loss or pain and am open to something infinitely more rewarding. Loss and pain are realities of material life, but our experience of them and how we handle that experience is what determines the quality of the life we live and how that feels. Thankfully, we have freedom of choice in dealing with pain or loss so that they can actually enhance our lives rather than diminish them. Or perhaps more accurately, our lives are enhanced by discovering how to transcend pain and loss.
1: It's liberating to realize that we in fact have that life enriching choice. If you have questions, feedback, or experiences you'd like to share on the
0: contents of this podcast or the practices described in it, feel free to send them to haveyoueverwondered144 at gmail.com. I'd like to be responsive to the public and share it in future episodes. You can always listen again to the chapters of your choice wherever get your podcast and be sure and share them with your friends. I look forward to hearing from you.
1: Tchau.